Welcome to another episode of What's Next, and in this episode, we're joined by Andrew Cruz, who's the CEO at Rooted, and also Lee Seiss, a good old friend of mine. We've had many, many discussions before, the Senior Cloud Solutions Architect for Cloud Providers, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa at VMware. Thank you for joining us, gents. Now, just to give you an idea of who Rooted is, Rooted is a pioneering African cloud platform provider specializing in VMware cloud solutions at the provision of VM disaster recovery and cloud backup. Its CEO is uh, very, very personable, and it's a great pleasure to welcome you, Andrew, and nice to have you with us, Andrew. Thanks very much, Aki. Great to be here. Looking forward to chatting. Great stuff, man. So uh, just tell us a little bit about Rooted. What do you guys do exactly? Rooted are a VMware cloud operator. Um, in, in, some, um, in some terms, sometimes people say a cloud service provider, but um, we actually avoid saying that because we don't offer managed services with our VMware cloud. Um, we engage uh, managed service providers or web developers or um, sometimes enterprises directly um, who uh, layer their services on top of our cloud infrastructure. So in a way, we're a, a true, pure um, infrastructure as a service provider using um, VMware underpinning our cloud platform. Fantastic, fantastic. And 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 Lee, I mean, VMware have been around for a very long time and uh, so much evolution taking place. We've had so many interesting discussions over the past. Uh, and, and tell us about the evolution that you're seeing at VMware, especially when it comes to cloud solutions. Yeah, that's, that's very true, Aki. I think over the past few years, we've seen a positive evolution where the business has grown from um, a, a core product set that we used to sell into the market and now having a complete portfolio of, of services and, and products that touches different areas outside just compute virtualization. So it's, it's really a privilege to work for VMware that's such an innovative company and that can bring technology and services to market in such a rapid pace. Um, so where we're at at the moment, I think, is, is in a key transition or a key um, evolution of the business where we're truly moving towards, instead of just being a product software development company that develops software in order for either end customers or partners to deploy on their own systems, to a services approach as well, where a lot of our technology um, we're developing to be delivered as a SaaS service. What we're also looking at in evolving in is how we take our solutions to market. I think from a traditional way of just selling product to market, we've evolved to a way that a consumption methodology has become quite critical for us. And the way that consumption is delivered comes in multiple different flavors, depending on the solution stack. So we're definitely seeing this evolution into a subscription type business, the way our software is delivered in a SaaS type manner um, coming to the forefront as well. And getting partners like Rooted as an example, um, utilizing our product sets to also deliver it in that as a service fashion, but not operated by us, operated by a trusted partner like Rooted. Okay, awesome stuff. Well, I want to ask you both this next question because it's interesting to hear the different perspectives. When you look at South Africa, um, and, and obviously we've seen this massive uh, scaling up of this digitization where we're all talking about lots of data centers going online and uh, the cloud adoption has been pretty strong. Um, how does South Africa compare with adoption of cloud solutions when you look at the rest of the world and you look at what's happening globally, uh, are we are we keeping up with the same kind of growth that we're seeing? And let me start off with you answering that question, Lee. Yeah, it's an interesting fact. And I think 
for a lot of time, us as South Africans always see ourselves as being behind the curve and always think that we can learn from the rest of the world. Now, to a certain extent, yes, in South Africa specifically, the market is a little less mature than what it is in the rest of the world. But the fact that we have such innovative um, organizations in South Africa and innovative people actually puts us, in some senses, in the forefront of adoption. Um, we've seen a lot of scenarios where organizations inside South Africa are actually the first to adopt next generation type um, solutions. And we see the, or the rest of the world following in that sense. So definitely, I mean, from my perspective, if I, I look after the sub-Saharan African territory, um, South Africa definitely being the biggest market in that, that sector, but we're seeing growth happening in East Africa, in West Africa as well, and also in SARAC, those conversations are starting to become a lot more prevalent. Um, but if I could just maybe just reiterate what I said earlier, markets are probably um, a little bit more behind the curve than the rest of the world, but the people and the adoption rate is actually on par, in my opinion. Are you seeing similar trends, Andrew? Well, I would tend to agree with that. Um, I'd probably put a little bit more color and detail into that. Um, you know, my background is actually from the UK where I worked in um, enterprise managed hosting providers there. And yes, um, we're definitely behind the curve in terms of penetration of cloud. But I think that um, it's useful to distinguish um, different kinds of workloads. Um, there are those kinds of workloads which are typically born in the cloud. They are websites, web applications, mobile applications. Mm. And that market is growing and it's growing organically. The other market is the enterprise apps that have typically live, lived on premise. The ones that are you know, line of business applications which are accessed by businesses internally. You know, people have um, clusters of typically VMware with enterprise storage behind them. Those are typically in South Africa still on premise. So there's very low penetration on the enterprise side and enterprise operations. And that's really where a VMware cloud story fits very well um, because people are, are you know, mostly using VMware um, as a virtualization technology in the enterprise. Um, and um, it, it is an ideal solution to a seamless move from, or you know, whether it's disaster recovery or an extension of your infrastructure into the cloud to utilize a VMware cloud locally. Um, the one reason I think the one particular reason why we are a bit behind, in particular when it comes to these enterprise workloads, is um, internet penetration. So mm -hmm. I like to say that fast, reliable and cheap internet is a necessary and a sufficient condition for enterprise cloud to grow. It's necessary because you need to have very fast and, and low latency uh, connectivity into the data center in order for your, your employees to be able to access that, 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 those workloads when they're, not, when they're no longer in your own server room, when they're not inside your office. Yeah. It's sufficient because once you've got that, why would you keep your server room in your office? You know, you're not a facilities manager. You're not a data center operator. Um, you know, there are um, world-class data centers in South Africa from Terraco in particular, that's where we host, but also from NTT, Liquid, Vantage now. Mm. Um, you know, there's massive investment going into those data centers. Why would you host your own infrastructure? That's, that's not your day job. You know, if you're a widget provider, you sell widgets. Um, you, you don't keep the power on and the, and the cooling and, and the aircon. Um, and so um, we've seen, obviously, in the last five or so years, uh, the penetration of fiber in particular in metro areas go in leaps and bounds. And I think that we've reached an inflection point now when enterprises are, are thinking about a refresh, you know, after four to six years, 
um, you know, their, their decision tree is, you know, do we go cloud? Do we just replace our current infrastructure? And I think we're at the point now where more than half of them are saying, let's go cloud in some way. Mm. Um, and I, so for us, our particular focus is on that enterprise cloud. Um, and yes, there's a lot of talk around the developer cloud. And, um, and that's really where the hyperscale, the native hyperscale cloud providers fit. Yeah. So in summary, I, I agree we're a bit behind. Um, we also have the, the ability to leapfrog, you know, when people make mistakes overseas, when moving to the cloud, we don't have to make those same mistakes. Yeah. You know, there's been a, a fair amount of, of, of case studies come out about uh, enterprises trying to move to the hyperscalers um, onto their native platforms and then finding for whatever reason, maybe it's cost, maybe it's performance, yeah. um, it's not working for them. And they're repatriating back into a VMware environment onto a VMware cloud. So our advice to enterprises here is is don't don't just drink the Kool Aid from Microsoft and Amazon and Google, um, you know there there is an enterprise platform available for you locally, um, which uh, might be much more suitable for your on-premise workloads. Now it's so interesting you say that about that inflection point, and I couldn't agree with you more. You know the connectivity is obviously the big issue, but um, you know the penetration of fiber right now, and even technologies like five G, we're seeing that growth happening at a very very rapid pace, and I think that things are about to change and things are about to change very fast uh, when you look at how many people now are connected and you look at the speeds and the latency as you said but what what are customers asking about cloud what, what conversations are they having about the cloud with you guys well why don't you go first <laughs> okay. um so from my perspective i, I think i want to reiterate a couple of things that that andrew said in Maybe put it from a viewpoint as as a vendor um, from what we see. So when people are asking about cloud, a lot of this, the times it's it's actually a buzzword that they're requesting. There's a lot of fundamental issues that organization and businesses have at this point. And, and some of them could be things like managing a software install base, as an example. That can be complex for organizations mm. to do themselves. They don't specialize in something like that. Things like hardware lifecycle or um, the management of the platform, the actual hardware infrastructure, um, making these things work together, engineering it so that it's it's in an innovative way that moves with the times and their developers can consume off of these things. A lot of the time, those are the fundamental issues. Um, when people do look at cloud, though, the first thing that is presented to them is all the stuff that um, Andrew mentioned that is almost what hyperscalers specialize in, um, is the developer type experience. So when people are looking for cloud, there's, there's these fundamental issues that they have, but they tend to skip a lot of the business challenges that they have and look at these new shiny, great things that, that cloud provides without actually looking at the fundamental issues that, that is there with, with IT that the business has. And I mean, for myself, just as a, a, a framework where I fit into VMware, um, I work in a cloud provider business unit where we help businesses like Rooted stand up a cloud-hosted infrastructure, which fundamental service is to provide infrastructure as a service. And I think it fits nicely into that story around fixing what the current business challenges are by re-hosting onto a platform with the business that knows what they're doing, that's their day job, that's what they eat, breathe um, on a daily basis. Fixing those initial problems. At a later stage, if you do look at new development cycles and so on, these new shiny great platform as a service type solutions is where um, it could be positioned in order to, to innovate for businesses. Um, but a lot of the time, I think we need to look at the fundamentals of cloud and what is that solving, um, which is majority of right. the need that's out there. Okay. And your perspective, uh, Andrew? 
Yeah, I'd like to pick up on what Lee said in terms of cloud being a buzzword. Um, I, I think we're seeing a slightly different conversation um, more recently, um, particularly after COVID. I, I think that cloud was very much badly defined, or at least people had a, a bad understanding of what cloud was. Um, you know, I, I, I guess there are IT managers or, or CTOs that are instructed by their um, CEO, don't look at cloud, and that CEO's idea of cloud might well be um, AWS or, or Azure or Google, because those are the only ones he'd ever heard of. I think we're getting to a conversation now where people are distinguishing um, different cloud infrastructures and what their ideal use cases are. Um, and that really plays into our hands because um, those native hyperscale uh, clouds are much more suitable for um, applications which are re-architected or redesigned, mm -hmm. utilizing the, the custom tools that those cloud platforms have. Um, whereas, you know, our, our focus is on, on corporates and enterprises that are just wanting to get rid of that, 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 uh, uh, that weight around their neck of their hardware in, inside, their, inside their own server, server rooms or data centers. Um, you know, it, it's a drag on them. Um, it's a cost for them. Uh, it's a risk for them to, to keep on, on managing that infrastructure. Um, there's a lack of skill and people are looking for help. Um, and they see the cloud as the answer to that. Um, and that's why we're having a lot of conversations with people around what they think the cloud is. Um, when it comes to, I think, particularly um, helping them out on a technical level. Uh, because those, those that expertise is not really um, as, as prevalent as it is as it was before. Right. So we've seen the conversation move from just you know we want to go cloud, can you do it? To actually, there are different clouds. Um, they have different uh, ideal use cases and, and, and different perspectives, and businesses are getting a little bit more um, a little bit more mature in their outlook mm. as to what they want the cloud to be and to do. The other things that people are talking about, the usual one, security. You know, is the cloud going to stop ransomware? Well, no, no, it isn't, but it might make it easier to recover. Um, is the cloud secure? Well, yes, probably more secure than your own infrastructure. But, you know, it's always got to be a hand-in-hand -hand thing. It's a shared responsibility between cloud operator and, and the actual cloud, cloud user. Um, so I think those are the conversations that we're seeing quite a lot of. So interesting uh, to hear the, the, the questions and, and those misconceptions that have evolved over the years with the cloud. And I guess it's also part of the evolution of the cloud, right? When you look at the cloud and when people first started talking about the cloud decades ago and where the cloud is today is a very different place. Um, and, and I guess when you talk about these conversations that you're having, the conversations that people are having, uh, you know, customers are saying about the cloud. So what they're telling you about the cloud must be very interesting as well, because I hear conversations like there's, uh, the, the, the cloud has added a lot more flexibility and agility to my organization. I'm able to do a lot more, I'm, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So what, what, what are customers saying about the cloud? Uh, let's start with you, Lee. So there's, there's definitely a shift in, in what the feedback is that we, we're specifically getting. Um, for me personally, I think over the past one and a half to two years, what I've seen a shift happening towards is edge starting to become a lot more common or a lot more of an ask or something that spoke about than what it was in the past. We're starting to see, and I actually was quite surprised by this, but we're starting to see large enterprises, large telcos asking for that same cloud experience to actually happen 
in, in their data centers or on their hardware. And when they ask for that cloud experience, what they're essentially asking for is things like, can they consume software without owning the actual install the, the license key? Or can they pay for it in a subscription mm. or consumption type model? Can they move their hands away from actually managing it and letting somebody do it on their behalf? They don't want those assets on their books any longer, but this challenge of just taking what you have on-prem and lifting and shifting it, moving it to a hyperscaler, I think the reality is starting to come in where people are not wanting that to be their first choice any longer. So we're starting to see this right. shift happen. And a lot of the time, having stuff local, as Andrew mentioned um, bandwidth, he mentioned network connectivity, is starting to be something that people are talking about a lot more as well. I mean, we've recently seen in South Africa, for one, there's an intent to create a, a, a law that's similar to GDPR in Europe, which is starting to tell me that people are talking about cloud in a different way, starting to see where the gaps were that, that businesses can't avoid and starting to mitigate that now as well. So we're definitely seeing people saying different things, that conversation starting to mature, people understanding it better and taking the, res the necessary steps in order to make sure it works for their business. Interesting stuff, uh, and 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 Andrew, you, are you seeing something similar? Um, you right at the the face of the customer. What are your customers saying? Yeah. yeah so look, um, you said earlier about cloud adding value by bringing more choice, and I, I think that that's um, a very important statement. You know, that that is how um, I think IT has developed over decades. You know. Uh, you were limited in what you could do, and then there was something else and something else. It's not necessarily uh, an evolution, but sometimes a revolution in terms of mm. what's available to you. And I think cloud, just like the internet back in the day, you know, it, it's revolutionized the way that people think about their infrastructure. Um, so adding an additional option um, is a great way to decide what is the best thing to do for you to create value. And sometimes the best thing is not to go to the cloud. You know, we're very happy to say, to, to advise people, you know, actually these workloads should stay on premise or they should stay in, in on your own hardware and your own dedicated infrastructure in a cage in Terraco. We're very happy to have that conversation with people because it brings an extra string to one's bow. Um, I would also like to pick up on, on, on what Lee said. We are hearing a lot more, and I think this, this might be maybe a step backwards, um, but we are hearing a lot more of these sort of the legacy thoughts of actually, I want to keep my own hardware, but I want to get that cloud experience. So how do I keep my own hardware, whether it's on my own premises or in a data center in a co-location facility, but how do I keep my own hardware? Well, you know, maybe it's for compliance reasons or, or you know, maybe, um, maybe you've got people that want to touch and feel your own infrastructure rather than you know, the, the idea of the cloud is sometimes quite difficult for people to get their head around. I mean, is it just somebody else's computer? But, you know, sometimes the, the, there's that, that kind of, um, I really want to touch and feel it kind of kind of um, uh, approach from, from customers. And so, yes, what we've started to do is to, um, is to offer what we call our, our rooted edge cloud, um, which is our VMware cloud deployed on people's infrastructure in their data centers. And, you know, we can do that on a consumption basis, on a monthly operating um, cost, um, rather than you know what people are used to, which is that upfront perpetual license with maybe uh, software and support payments going forward on on a yearly basis, um, and we're seeing a lot of traction with that. Yeah. And as I say, you know maybe it's a, it's a throwback to to oh well you know I don't understand the cloud, therefore I want to keep my own um, my own infrastructure. But at the same time, I think it, it is it's step forward. Mm. It's a definitely a maturing of, of 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 people's approaches and attitudes, and it's a step towards 
more of a hosted solution. Um, so that cloud experience that they get on premise then can be easily shifted into the, the data center, into into um, into the the real cloud. Let's expand on that, uh, both of you, because uh, I find this uh, very interesting. And we've heard obviously in the in, in the last few years how the cloud has evolved, as I touched on earlier. But what are customers doing about cloud? Uh, I mean, Lee, you and I have had this conversation before. Uh, the you know, the multi cloud is hybrid cloud. What are customers doing about cloud? So it's an interesting fact, and I think it, it flows nicely into to what um, Andrew mentioned and what he mentioned about rooted edge cloud. In reality, I think the the desire of cloud and the reality is two it's two different things. So what we're seeing happening, in, especially in the larger enterprise or medium to large size enterprises, is the fact that there's a lot of things that's in the on-prem data centers that is not cloud ready. Um, in order to lift and shift everything into cloud, it's a timing perspective. If you were just to get rid of everything you have, there's things to consider like um, the hardware support and maintenance. What cycle is that in? There's certain um, security processes that happens. There's people that follow processes and do things on certain portals using certain technologies. That is not always a fade to just moving to a cloud environment. Um, I mean, we've seen a lot of scenarios, and I've personally been on these projects where there's organizations that build a, a refreshed greenfields platform that has a few bells and whistles tweaked, but they even struggle to move from the, the old platform to the new platform and it's in the same data center. Mm. And, and that's not even technology problems, that is process problems, it's people problems, it's cultural problems. So if you're now saying, okay, take as an enterprise everything you have on-prem and, and lift and shift it to cloud, it's not always the easiest conversation. So what we're seeing happen now is what Andrew mentioned, moving slightly backwards, um, is people taking what is currently there and manipulating it to be in a more cloud-like framework. And that ticks off one of the boxes around things like asset ownership, a consumption model, or moving it onto the CapEx books. Those type of things is happening at this stage. Now, what we're also seeing happening, I mean, people like AWS, Azure, and Sana are building data centers in country, which means there's an opportunity and there's this customer bases that they're actually they, they're getting there. Um, the new level of development app or developed applications, if I was a new business starting out, those services are, are great to use. They've got native services that is geared towards new application development. So we're seeing this, this two-fold process happening. New applications looking at a platform as a service type model, the existing applications modernize what's underneath that, leave the application as is, because there's nothing wrong with those applications. It makes no sense taking an application, re-architecting it, moving it to a modern way of mm. using things for no business benefit. So that is in reality what people are doing about cloud. Now. Um, one of the things that we're seeing a lot of vendors come into play is by saying, okay, you've got all these platforms, let's bring you the single pane of glass to manage all clouds. And I think that, in my opinion, is, is a bit of a dream. It's a bit of smoke and mirrors. We are seeing, however, that the operational and the governance processes around multiple cloud is starting to become a lot um, tighter, if I could put it as such, or a lot more structured. Mm -hmm. So things like costing as an example, how do you differentiate the CapEx costing or OpEx costing on-prem to what you're doing in cloud or tracking that? That is where people are starting to invest in as well. Um, or security, how do you maintain security frameworks with what you're doing on-prem to cloud? And I think that's where the reality and the prediction VMware made for a long time that there's going to be this hybrid approach is a reality now. We're not seeing everybody mm -hmm. lift and shift. An interesting stat, just to justify what I'm saying or to add um, a bit of meat to what I was saying is, 
every time a, a hyperscaler um, actually lands in a availability zone or in country, we see our cloud provider business growing. And that's quite interesting to me because a lot of people say to us, oh, but if Azure AWS is coming in country and they're launching a data center, are you not scared about it? And no, I'm not. I'm actually, I'm, I welcome those type of things because it starts maturing the way customers think. And it also starts maturing or it starts bringing to reality where things fit. There's a place for different types of applications. There's never going to be this one, this one size fits all approach. So people are doing it by accident, actually, because those those issues are pressing and it needs to be done instead of it being a dream and just following the, the idealist type world. You, are you seeing some of the trends in uh, what Leah's just said, Andrew? Yeah, look, um, I'm broadly in agreement with Lee. I, I think one needs to consider, and I, I know it's a it's it's a sort of an, an ugly kind of buzzword phrase, um, digital transformation, and where customers, where companies are in that digital transformation kind of uh, process. Um, in my mind, digital transformation is stopping using legacy applications and starting using newer applications that are sort of web native, cloud native, architected in the cloud, and. It's very easy to say, but it's extremely difficult to do. Um, I think there's a statistic that I heard a while back that it takes four to seven years for, for businesses to fully digitally transform. And the question is, okay, if you've decided today that you're going to digitally transform, what do you think is going to happen in the next four to seven years? What's going to happen to your current infrastructure? And this speaks to what Lee is saying, I think, about those modernizing of applications. In that four to seven year period, you still need to keep on running VMware. Now, if you've got your own hardware, but you've pressed the digital transformation button, let's go to cloud. What are you going to do with those old legacy applications that haven't been transformed yet? And in fact, some of those applications will never transform. You'll never be able to get rid of them. You'll build on top of them in more of a cloudy way, but you're never going to be able to get rid of those underlying legacy traditional applications. And I think that's um, it speaks towards what Lee's saying. When Azure arrived here a couple of years ago, when AWS arrived last year, um, it increased the entire cloud business um, and it increased the VMware portion of that cloud business um, because it raises the profile of cloud. People talk about it more. And then when they talk about it, they understand what is suitable for them and what's unsuitable for them. Mm. I think this speaks towards what I was saying earlier, the customer's approach has matured mm. and they're able to distinguish between the different clouds out there and what's useful for them and what isn't. Um, so, you know, the, the general idea is those traditional legacy applications that are running on VMware, you can get rid of your own hardware, lift and shift that into a VMware cloud and have plenty of time and resource and energy to go and, and, and re-architect applications um, in your own time, rather than having to worry about the re-architecture and the migration into cloud at the same time, which is already asking for trouble. And that makes those kinds of migrations very, very difficult and, um, and complex. Um, so, you know, what, what we're seeing is I think that South African businesses are transforming, they are doing digital transformation. It is a slow process. I think they're avoiding some of the mistakes that were made overseas when people thought that just Lifting and shifting to AWS was equivalent to digital transformation. Well, no, it isn't. Um, and um, the nice thing about what we're also doing on premise with people um, by providing that edge cloud is that you do have then access to those 
um, modern application tools, um, right. Kubernetes platforms as a, as a service, for example, um, which uh, wouldn't be available under the normal course of business on premise. So you can start getting into a more developer, modern application mindset, even though you're on premise before you move into the cloud so i mean critically uh, what 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 are people what aren't people talking about rather <laughs> which they should be and i'm thinking i mean lee you you know i've had this conversation about where your cloud where, where your data resides right uh, we talk about sovereign cloud and you hear things like containerization and 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 these kind of solutions and of course you know price increases from hyperscalers going forward there's so many conversations that people should be having that aren't necessarily having. Yeah, and this is a really interesting one, Aki, and you might need to stop me because I might have too much to, to say about this. But, you know, one of the things that, that has been quite common and that I'm seeing on and on in the market is that people still perceive VMware to be a virtualization-only company. Um, when you look at the people we deal with in our partner ecosystem, the people we deal with in our, our enterprise customers, or even in the smaller customers, they traditionally the, the infrastructure teams. Now, one of the things that um, is coming to the forefront quite aggressively now is the fact that we're not only that, that virtualized or that infrastructure virtualization type business. Um, what we've done recently, I mean, with acquisitions like a company called Heptio. If you don't know what Heptio um, is, they were the organization or they were part of Google and they actually created Kubernetes as a concept and, and we procured them. And this, all through all these acquisitions of Heptio, Pivotal and so on, we've developed a portfolio of platform as a service solutions called Tanzu. Now, for Tanzu, Tanzu speaks towards that category of the market where you're looking to digitize applications, build new using cloud native type concepts. Um, a lot of the conversations we had today was speaking about VMware being positioned for the traditional applications. But we actually have got a very aggressive portfolio of products that speaks to that next generation type development as well. And not only a distribution of Kubernetes, that speaks to other things like um, database as a service or CICD optimization process or whatever the case may be. There's quite a lot of cool words that we can throw into that. So it's definitely something that people need to start looking at is seeing us in that bracket that we're not just a virtualization organization and we do do a lot more modernized applications. I think what's a big talk about or something that's spoken about quite commonly in the market at the moment is data residency versus data sovereignty. Um, the fact that VMware is an organization that develops great software and we're an American organization, but we don't really run the service as a, a cloud operating model ourselves. Um, we partner with people like Rooted to do it and Rooted is a, a South African type um, organization and we have many other um, cloud providers that's similar to Rooted in other countries. means that they they could understand the local jurisdiction or the local laws that gets encompassed around, around data and they cater towards those sovereign requirements that different countries have. Now, some countries don't have laws that govern that, but when they're there, these are the organizations, rooted are the organizations that um, would be able to cater for that because they're not tied or bundled by any U.S. laws like we are. It's their service powered by us on the back end, but it's not our service. 
And I'm sure there's, there's quite a few other things. If we, we look at the security um, landscape of things, we recently bought a, a vendor um, called Carbon Black. I mean, who would think a VMware individual would be coming into an organization and speaking about um, enterprise or a detection and response or next generation antivirus? But those are some of the areas that we've invested in because we see ourselves as an enabler to either an enterprise or to a cloud provider like Rooted that gives you this franchised approach of a solution that you can utilize that ticks all those buckets when it comes to cloud operating um, and be able to deliver services from a traditional approach to a cloud native approach or a digitally transformed approach um, into your organization. So definitely I think people aren't talking about VMware in that, that newer sexier type um, conversation and we definitely place, we play quite aggressively in that side of the business as well or in that side of the market as well. Mm-hmm. And and Andrew, what are you seeing about those kind of conversations? Those those things that people aren't necessarily talking about that they should be. Well, um, just give me a minute. I'm feeling a little brainwashed at the moment. You know, <laughs> Lee's trying to feed us that uh, that VMware Kool Aid that they do everything and 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 um, and they're multi cloud and they they got all of the software and, and yeah. No, uh, um, in 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 um, in all honesty. Um, you know, we are you know, very um, heavily integrated into the VMware story, but we, we don't um, we don't drink every uh, jar of Kool-Aid that they, they try and pour down our throats. There, there are certain things that VMware does which, which we like and there's certain things that we don't like. Um, I think that what VMware does very well is that is that underlying infrastructure and then building layers on top of that. So there, there's definitely that, uh, let's say, software-defined data center story uh, and then platform as a service on top of that, um, which which we feel is a very very powerful um, story. On top of that, very highly secure, performance and highly available VMware cloud. Um, but um, uh, 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 yeah, so uh, apart from that, what are what are people not talking about? Well, in a way, I disagree with Lee. I don't think they are talking a lot about data sovereignty and data residency. I think overseas they are. I think in the West, you know, Western Europe, the States, uh, also the Far East, um, Australasia, yes, I think there's a big story around there. But in South Africa, I don't think, and in Africa, I don't think people are talking about that enough. Um, I think in, in the rest of Africa, outside South Africa, they're talking about um, data residency because um, if you want to deal with right, this Botswana government or the Zimbabwe government, then they're not going to host in South Africa. So there's a, a locality kind of question there. Um, we actually have a, a customer in Botswana that we do our edge cloud service for. Um, and so we've built our VMware cloud on their hardware because they couldn't host it anywhere outside Botswana. Um, you know, they've got government um, customers. Um, but I think that people aren't talking about sovereignty enough. And that sovereignty doesn't just include residency, as Lee says. It's also about um, security and security processes, and it's about local laws and, and um, understanding uh, local requirements. Um, it, it is something which is it, it, it's very prevalent overseas and, and not so much here. Um, and in as much as I said that people are beginning to distinguish between the hyperscalers and, and the other local cloud providers, I think there isn't enough talk about that. Um, and similarly, there isn't enough talk about the fact that um, there are services and products available on VMware Cloud, which can match what the hyperscalers can do. Um, I actually saw a, a VMware slide the other day where it listed a lot of AWS services and in parallel with that, all of the VMware services that are available 
um, on top of the VMware cloud or in that sort of multi or hybrid cloud kind of environment. So I don't think people are talking about that enough. Um, I think that the more people talk about um, cloud, the more VMware actually becomes a, a topic and the more people talk about VMware, the more they should talk about how VMware compares to, to those other hyperscale or native, um, native clouds. Um, I think that there is not a lot of talk going on about things like Kubernetes um, and modern application development because we are short of skill here. You know, I think that you know, globally we're at the, uh, the forefront of this uh, uh, new development practices. Um, you know, I know AWS has been around for a while, Google, Azure, even Kubernetes has been around for a while, but actually there's very little, uh, it, uh, it's an old saying of mine, it's, it's like it's Texas in high school, everybody's talking about it, but nobody's actually doing it. Um, it's, it, it's very rare to, to see people running production workloads um, on, on um, Kubernetes. So I think that that conversation is going to start a lot more as people become much more familiar. I think just to add- Wow, fascinating. Sorry, if, if I may, Aki, um, just to add to, yes. to what, what Andrew's saying. So there's, there's quite a lot um, that it entails when it comes to cloud. And I think the slide that Andrew was referring to, I mean, that is like a maze that you're looking at. Um, so it's, it, there's so many different areas which speaks towards skills and the, the adoption of those services um, in, in our market. I mean, I recently wrote something about um, how can we retain skill in country because as soon as somebody becomes certified and experienced well enough, they get siphoned out. Um, but the point is that when you start as a business doing a lot of things, um, the refocus and the, the personas that you speak to into the market also differs. Um, so as an example, uh, we, we're really good at SDDC, that's what we're known as. Uh, but doing the rest of the things I think is something that we're starting to see increase. But as Andrew said, it's, it's not spoken about enough. Um, those are definitely areas that people need to start considering a lot more. But it's not only the technology adoption that, that is, is prevalent there, it's also who's going to be using this, how do you incorporate it into your mm. organization's processes, um, and, and where does it actually fit for? I mean, it makes no sense getting a PaaS service and positioning that to an operations team or an infrastructure operations team. We need to position that to the developers, which hyperscalers are really um, good at doing. So there, there is quite a lot. And one of the other elements, I think you mentioned it earlier, Aki, is the fact of in, in Africa, we have an unfortunate situation where we need to consider things like rate of exchange. Um, so when price increases do happen, it's something that impacts us, us quite heavily. I think the benefit that, that people like or partners like Rooted have um, is the fact that they are allowed to, to build in a local currency. Now, does that mean rate of exchange doesn't impact them? No, it doesn't at all, because from a VMware perspective, when they pay for our technology, it's in a dollar rate. But a lot of the time, our solution is only one element of the, the complete solution that they're taking to market. So when we do have perhaps a, a dollar increase or a price increase or something like that, the impact is not as heavy to customers as if it was okay. direct dollar price. So I think that is quite a, a massive benefit that we have. One of the other things, I mean, I can attest, yeah, sorry. Sorry, just on that point, Lee, um, I can attest to that. You know, you mentioned the Microsoft Azure price increase, Aki. Um, but VMware themselves have increased their prices by 10% to us, the cloud operators, but we haven't increased our prices to our customers at all um, because we can smooth that out. Um, you know, we try and smooth out the exchange rate fluctuations. We try and smooth out the price increases from VMware. 
Um, and um, we can do that because as we gain scale, um, we're able to, um, you know, take those lumpy kind of trends and, and, and smooth them out on a, on a, a gently uh, lowering curve. So our prices generally get lower. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And Lee, well, you wanted to just add there at, at the end? <laughs> I already said a lot, but maybe if I could add one, one last thing is that yes. I think there's a perception in the market that, that hyperscalers are also bulletproof. Um, bulletproof in a relation that things don't go down at all and bulletproof in a manner that there's always capacity available. And I think that myths have, have clearly come to light that it's it's not true um, with certain, or certain events that has occurred. Now, I'm not saying that cloud providers are perfect either, but a lot of the time, because of the scale and the flexibility that they do have, um, things like performance can be considered a lot closer, especially to the market that, that they're approaching, whether that's a public sector segment of the market or a, a medical segment of the market. Um, things like right. the availability of, of services, they cater to their own governance processes or um, life cycle processes, so they can take a lot of a closer or a lot more of a closer look well, that's a double-edged sword. It's dependent on does the partner yeah. do it well or does the partner do it not well. But organizations like Rooted, as an example, that's all they do. Now, you can't tell me if that's all they do, they don't do it well. That, there's a reason they, they're yeah. in this business. So I think there's definitely benefits that people aren't looking at or aren't seeing and aren't speaking about when it comes to a local cloud or VMware cloud verified partner like Rooted that definitely needs to be considered as well. Well, lots to think about and a uh, fascinating discussion about the cloud. Uh, not as simple as it is. And uh, these are conversations that people have to have when you're on that particular journey. Andrew Cruz, CEO at Rooted, and Lee Seiss, Senior Cloud Solutions Architect for Cloud Providers Sub-Saharan Africa at VMware. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the fascinating discussion. Thank you. Thank you for having me.